0: Andy Daly is one of the funniest human beings on planet Earth. This is not debatable. Worked with him on a show in 2004, and he I would just cry laughing, even in the writer's room, when he was just messing around. Andy Daly's podcast pilot project is back, the new batch of pilots. Season 2 is out, podcast apps right now. Andy's a hilarious improviser, like one of the best of all time. And I, you know me. I came up as an improviser. I don't say that lightly. He is truly... One of the funniest improvisers of all time. Each episode of his podcast is a pilot hosted by a different character, like Dalton Wilcox, the cowboy poet laureate. Features special guests like Paul F. Tompkins, Lauren Lapkus, Jason Manzukis. Subscribe to the Andy Daly Podcast Pilot Project in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. You'll get a new pilot every Thursday from one of the funniest people I know. Hello to all my doo-doo heads. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds bar.
1: I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun and I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello
0: everybody, Chris Gethard here, welcoming you to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. It's a pleasure and a joy do this show and to uh, see all you guys out there responding a, a lot of people on Instagram lately have noticed have been saying you gotta check out this show it's full of empathy and that means the world thanks for spreading word. my new book Lose Well is out available for pre-order now and I uh, would love it if you checked it out also the audiobook is coming and a lot of people have been asking fans of the show I, I have recorded the audiobook myself this time unlike my last book it will be me narrating it and there's a lot of bonus content interviews with people who are mentioned in the book that are very much in the vein of Beautiful Anonymous. Check it out. Also have touring dates coming up. We're doing live Beautiful Anonymous tapings in London. There's a small handful of tickets left. And Toronto. Info on the book and the touring dates. ChrisGeth.com Last week's episode, we have the nervous interrupter. And I want you to know, first of all, the caller reached out before the call was even aired. It said that he uh, it was a real wake-up call for him. And that just doing the call, he's he's seeking some help now and kind of doing some self-examination. Some things to uh, get a better handle on how to express himself, maybe a little more uh, safely, a little bit more honestly. That was cool to read. Also in the Facebook group, Alexis, who's one of the mods, actually put something out there and said, you know, mixed feelings. And I'd love to hear a trans person's or a trans sex worker's comments on this episode. And someone named Ali actually responded. I thought it was really beautiful. My natural instinct is to run away. He's what we call a chaser. I know he says that he doesn't want to fetishize us, but it's what he's doing. The way he kind of keeps alluding to us as a third gender shows he's not thinking of us as actual women. Seems to be working through a lot of shit sexually and sexuality-wise, sexuality and I hope he gets there. I thought that was a beautiful comment um, in the terms of saying, you know, I'm going to be very honest and say there's some some negative stuff here that I'm wary of, but also he's clearly working through a lot of stuff on his own, rooting for him. You don't see that on the internet so much anymore, where it's both very honest, straightforward, Puts out some honest feelings that are not the uh, the most, uh, you know, not all positivity, not all dancing on sunshine. But also saying, but at the same time, we're all human beings. This person's struggling too. That was cool. This week's episode, I was blown away talking to this person. I was, I was very motivated. I'm a notorious workaholic. And this person makes me... Look relaxed. This is not someone who's looking to waste time. This is someone who's looking to go out there and get it, make the best of the opportunities that life offers. I was inspired by this call. Hope you are too. Enjoy it.
1: Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Hi. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Oh my gosh! How are you? How am I? Sorry, I'm a little quiet. I was walking from my cube to the conference room in the office.
0: Yeah, I was. Getting, <laughs> I was going to ask why you were whispering. I wasn't sure if you were in trouble. It's not like you were in trouble.
1: No, I'm like walking away from my cube, so probably all of my uh, um, work people are like, "What is she doing? Just sneaking <laughs> out."
0: <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'm. Uh, I did a. I did one of my jiu-jitsu classes this morning, so I feel wide awake, you know? Got the day started off right.
1: That's cool. Did that you get your butt kicked?
0: Not as bad as I usually do. To be fair, there was only one other person in the class, and he had less experience than I do, so that made it a little easier than usual. But then the instructor, he kicked the, kicked the shit out of me. Sorry, Sally. Um, so I, I definitely well, at least
1: got, you got a little bit
0: of an ego boost. Oh, yeah, and then I got knocked <laughs> right back down. Now... How are you? So you're at work.
1: Yes, I'm taking my break right now. Um, A little nervous, (laughs) if you can hear it in my voice. (laughs) Um, This is the third time I've tried getting through. And I think the second time I got through, but I was on hold for quite a few minutes. And then the call disconnected. I was bummed out. But I'm glad I got through this time.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you finally got through. And people tell me, people tell me they call and get put on hold. And I always say, just keep calling. I want to get to literally everyone eventually. That will be my goal with this show, that everyone who ever wants to be on it gets a chance to be on it.
1: Well, let me start by telling you, I saw you in Minneapolis a couple of weekends ago, maybe.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That that club is the best. Acne Minneapolis is one of the best clubs. I hope you had a good time.
1: I did have a good time. I dragged my boyfriend out there with me and uh He wasn't really into it.
0: (laughs) What? What are you talking about?
1: Yeah.
0: What do you mean? He's
1: like, um, (laughs) yeah, he was like, I think his comedy is a little dark. Not my favorite type of comedy. I'm like, well, sorry, that's what you get. You're with me. I'm a little dark, too. (laughs)
0: Listen, what, what world is this guy living in? It's 2018. Things are grim. Things are tense. People are mad at each other. The whole world's falling apart. He yeah. wants, he wants, what does he want? He wants me to get up there with a uh, flower that squirts water, like it's the goddamn vaudeville days. <laughs> what do I got to do to get your boyfriend? Oh God, this is how we're starting <laughs> I the don't call. Think there's
1: anything you can do? I think that's just who he is. You know, he he's very. Uh, I not He's a. He likes to hunt. He likes to fish. He's a very up north kind of guy.
0: Yes. So driving
1: him to a comedy show was an accomplishment in our relationship. And we hit a big, big milestone.
0: Now, I do love that you mentioned up north. I have a joke that I, I usually start my set with where I ask people if the apocalypse unfolds, what is your plan? And I ask people in the crowd. And in Minneapolis, I was very, very fascinated to see that more than one person over the weekend said, I'll be going up north. And I do not know what up north is, but everyone in Minnesota would start cheering. And then I realized, oh, there is a thing called up north, and it means something. And it's been explained to me that it's kind of like rugged, live off the land type stuff.
1: Yes. Yep, Uh, people with cabins, they go up north to, I guess, hunt, fish. My boyfriend is one of those people who goes in the woods and hunts for about a week, a week and a half. I've never been up there, but...
0: This guy, uh,
1: from what I hear, it's just a, a space for people to escape.
0: <laughs> so he didn't like any of the jokes. He didn't like the one about having sex with a couch. Not me. He didn't like the.
1: Uh, he was a little weirded out about that. I have to admit, I was a little weirded out about that. But what? It, it's a good joke.
0: <laughs> it's a joke. It loops around.
1: <laughs> it's a good joke, Chris. I, I like that. I laughed, and then I had. It's funny because I had this laugh like. <laughs> you know, my laugh is like really quiet, but then when the joke gets like you hit the punchline, and I just like lose it, and it's a really loud laugh. And he's like, "I'm pretty sure everyone around us was like looking at you because we were in the front row." Good, right oh, you there. Were, so like, we must I have get, made direct I was so close eye contact. To you.
0: Me and you must have been making <laughs> direct eye contact just two weekends ago.
1: No, no, I was more like in the corner, but it's okay. I enjoy the show, and um, I can't wait to see you out here again.
0: You really? weren't the couple off in the corner that was doing the, that I had to talk to about the positive heckling, were you? That wasn't you. Were you at no, that show? We,
1: no, we were not. I was there. No, we were not.
0: That was, there's a thing, no. in, sometimes people think they're helping and it's, it's well intentioned, <laughs> but there are these, there's this guy off in the corner. He's going, I'd be setting up a show and I'd be like, you know, so uh, we went to go to Disney World and he'd be like, oh shit. And I'd been like, you know, and then we went to this other place called Gatorland. He'd be like, Oh my god, what's gonna happen? And I had to stop and be like, Hey, like, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but uh this ain't helping anybody. And then somebody on Twitter yelled at me, You were awfully mean to that guy. I thanked the guy, I go, Thanks for making you're making me feel like a rapper with a hype man. I feel cool. Thank you for that. But it's just not needed in the show. So and somebody on Twitter's like, You were awfully mean to that guy. I'm like, I'm the least mean I'm the least mean comedian.
1: You are not level. mean. You do not have a mean bone in your body. Well, I swear. That's, that's, you do eat I, mm-hmm.
0: I, I have my bad days too. I have my bad days too. <laughs> anyway, we all
1: do. anyway, you know, I can be uh can be a sweet person the majority of the time, but then when I get mad, it's like, ooh, the Cuban is coming out. Oh sh- shoot. I said where I was from. Well, <laughs> oh,
0: that's okay. There's more than one person from Cuba. There's been more we've had more than one uh episode with people from Cuba
1: yeah <laughs> oh well it doesn't matter yeah there's a there's there's more than a million Cubans in the U.S. so
0: so you get when no you, one's
1: gonna know <laughs>
0: when the uh when the anger comes out you certify it as Cuban anger
1: yes everyone around me it's like yeah there's a Cuban coming out <laughs>
0: oh boy it's like the incredible Hulk
1: <laughs> what's you know it's just like I get like I talk to you in a very low voice, but I'm like super firm. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if I'm about to lose it, like I just scream because it's a Cuban thing where you talk talking to your relatives, kind of like what Italians do. You're mm-hmm. talking to them, but it sounds like you're fighting, but you're, you're really not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're just being very like firm and you're trying to like make a point, but you're not really arguing. You're just talking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I get it. I get it. Now, I'm sorry I made, you know, we're a few minutes in. I'm sorry I made so much of the first few minutes about me, but I was I uh, I was I was on my heels after hearing that your boyfriend did not dig the dark comedic stylings of Chris Gethard.
1: <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. Well, let me see. Let's see what I can tell you. So, you know, I'm from Cuba. I came to the U.S. when I was 15. You said 13? Um, I'm in my mid-20s now.
0: Did you say you came when you were 13? 15. 15, got it. Mid 20s So you've been in the States for about a decade. Yes. Well, that's nice. I have. How do you like it?
1: Um, I love the U.S. Uh, it's, it's given me a lot of opportunities, and I've been working really hard <laughs> since I moved to the U.S. At some point, I was working two jobs and going to college full-time, Taken about 14, 15 credits, so it's re- it's really taught me how to work hard, which in a way, um, it's not a good thing, <laughs> because now that I'm getting older, I'm like I wish I would have used uh, my earlier, you know, my early years or my early 20s to travel and and explore the world rather than work and work and school and school, but but I. I I do like it here. I would never go back to live in Cuba. Yeah. So, I mean, to the point where, Chris, I have forgotten, like, my childhood memories about Cuba. It's it's kind of, uh, I don't know if it was a culture shock that made me um, block the stuff in my childhood. Like, I, I remember little... Things here and there, but my parents, oh, do you remember that one time we went to the beach and this happened? No, I don't remember any of that. And I was like twelve, thirteen, which, you know, looking back in time, you should be able to remember those at least at that period 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 of your life. Yeah. But I don't. I just don't have those recollections.
0: Wow. Wow. And by what means did you leave Cuba and come to the States?
1: Um, I came to the US um Legally, so I came straight from the uh, from Cuba into Florida. My grandfather, uh, he fled Cuba back in the 1960s after the Castro's took over. So, in I think early early 2000s, he petitioned for a visa for my dad to move to the U.S. with his family, and we finally made it to the states in 2009. So we had to wait about seven years to go through the whole immigration process and get approved to move to the U.S.
0: Wow. Wow. So you went to Florida. How'd you wind up in Minnesota?
1: Well, that's where my... Okay, so (laughs) my grandfather, this is the story they say, they, they fled Cuba, they went to Panama, the country of Panama, and then after living there for two years, they decided to move to the U.S., And, of course, they go to Florida, which we all know that's probably where most of the Cubans start out. They move to Florida, and then they make their way up to the Midwest or the West Coast. And uh, so, well, well, they were in Florida in the 80s. They got tired of, I don't know, just the economy down there, jobs. And the story that we've been told is that my grandfather's wife... Who was not my grandma, was his second marriage, grabbed a U.S. map, and she said, I am going to close my eyes, and wherever this finger lands, that's where we're moving. So her her finger landed in Minnesota. And a month later, they were all moved (laughs) up here. Uh, So everyone who followed them from Cuba to the U.S., lived in Minnesota for a few years, and then they go back to Miami because they cannot stand the cold weather. Yeah. (laughs) We're still here.
0: (laughs) That's a big shock. That's a bold move by your uh, step-grandma. Just point at any random place on a map. They might, might, oh, now we have to go live in uh, some random small town in Tennessee, I guess, and we're just going to commit to it. Not that there's anything wrong with Tennessee, but it's just the pure randomness of the choice. You could wind up anywhere.
1: Yeah, I just think when you make such a big move of, you know, leaving behind what you've created, what you've known your whole life, and you have to leave all of that behind and you're forced to, like, just moving around and new beginnings is just a way of, like, you know, what's next?
0: Yeah, you just go for it. I have
1: nothing else to do, you know, or try.
0: Yeah, I'm it's, ready
1: for whatever life throws my way.
0: If she slipped, you could have been in Idaho. You could be in Idaho right now, or maybe Oregon, or maybe what would she, what would have happened if her finger was like two inches off the coast, and then she was like, "Now we have, now we must go live in the sea. We must go."
1: I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Life. I probably would have followed them anywhere they went.
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding around. I would have
1: been okay, although yeah. you know, I would have preferred that it was California or. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Somewhere closer to Florida where there's beach, South Carolina. I love, love the beach, so Yeah. yeah. Minnesota is alright. I can I can handle it. The winters are frigid and it can be tough, but the people are nice and the winters are fun. Or the although I don't think I, I don't think what's in Idaho? Potatoes.
0: oh uh, yeah, they <laughs> do have potatoes. That is the thing that they have. Peels in Idaho. of
1: potatoes?
0: I've been through Idaho. It was actually rather it was actually rather lovely. It was pretty uh picturesque. It's like the Pacific Northwest. It just continues that vibe of like mountains and, and hippies and whatnot. That was my Good. experience in Idaho. That's... I went to a place called Sorry,
1: I did th- to cut you off. Oh no,
0: that's okay. I remember going to a place I-, I was there with some comedy friends of mine. We were doing shows and there was a lake. And there was a guy offering seaplane rides. You know the planes that land right on the surface of water? And my friends yes, were all yes. like, oh, let's go take one. And I was like, okay. But I'm really scared of flying, but for some reason I didn't want to. Um, I, I, I don't know if I was being mocked already on that trip or something, but I was like, I guess I'm going to go get on a seaplane. And it was this very sweet elderly man who flew us around on a seaplane. And it was, I would say, top ten terrifying experiences of my life, but pretty worth it pretty beautiful once we were safe totally worth it back on the surface of the lake anyway
1: yeah you know and and, like sometimes you make decisions and you're like oh I probably shouldn't be doing that this is scary but then you know you have the best memories and then yeah if I you probably said if I had to do it again I would do it so he didn't like any of the jokes
0: he didn't like (laughs) any of the jokes not one of the jokes
1: (laughs) are you going back to this
0: Chris he didn't even like the Gatorland joke it's a classic the closer.
1: Well, he, I, I, think he laughed the most at the end of the show when you, uh re- revealed that the guy that you okay, guys Okay, no spoiler, the, no spoilers,
0: uh, no spoilers. I'm oh, trying to sell sorry, these sorry, tickets.
1: Sorry. I forgot. I forgot you're still on tour. Sorry. I'm trying to
0: sell these tickets. Yeah, so the last
1: joke was the one he enjoyed the most.
0: Okay, so I got him with the last one. So that doesn't start until about 55 minutes into the experience. Okay,
1: into the show. Okay. Hey, at least he enjoyed, you know. At least he enjoyed some of it. Well, he wasn't very happy because uh, I guess one of the uh, we parked right across the comedy club, and um, I don't know, like the the parking meter machine, whatever, wasn't taking our cards. <laughs> and we were like there for like ten minutes, and I was like, I'm gonna miss Chris. This is ridiculous. We've been here since 6.30 to get good seats, and I'm going to mess up. And I was just like, the key one was coming out, and he's like, Oh my gosh, calm down. It's just a comedy show. I'm like, No, it's not just a comedy show. This guy, it's like my friend that I, you know, that that doesn't live close to me, but I get to listen to him and his struggles and and his life and all the people that he touches, you know, with his comedy and and beautiful and all. And it's like, You don't get it. And he's like, Yeah, I don't get it because you're a nerd.
0: So you yelled at you yelled at him and pitted me against him before he even walked in the door. So before he even had a chance to sit down, you had basically said, you're ruining my experience with this other man that I have a strangely intimate relationship with via a podcast. It made him on guard. Oh,
1: yeah, pretty much.
0: You made him on guard, defensive, angry, and jealous before he ever walked through the door.
1: Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much that's okay.
0: how it went. I'll take it. So now you work. You had said you're a student. You said you are put a lot of time into studies um
1: yes i work uh i work full-time in the criminal justice system and i also go to school full-time
0: you do you Um, currently go to school
1: yes i currently go to school um so i have my first bachelor's degree in political science and now um I had a change of heart, and I'm going to go get a second bachelor's degree in management and business administration. Wow. So that is uh, going okay.
0: <laughs> and you're working full-time, criminal justice, a, a not easy field.
1: No, not at all. It's, uh, I love my job. I love what I do, but being in, being in a courtroom all day and listening to... Uh, the things that they'll do for XYZ reasons, it's kind of, uh, sometimes I'm nervous, sometimes amusing, but most of the time it's sad to think that people are put in a position to, uh, I don't know, steal a pound of meat or steal a pair of pants because they don't have any money to afford it, or you have the tougher stuff where, you know, uh, murder or, um, sexual conduct and things like that it's uh it's a, this job comes with a lot of ups and downs
0: and I, I don't want you to share anything you're not comfortable with can you can you talk about what capacity you're in the courtroom
1: yeah uh, so uh, so you have okay so you have the court report court reporter which is the person who types up every single word that's being said on the record and then you have the judge and then you have my position It's the person who puts in the computer system that the uh, court state system uses to record what happens with every case. So I'm not typing the words that are being said, but I'm entering in the system what's happening with the cases to um, keep the file up to date pretty much.
0: Wow. So you just have to really listen in on all the down and dirty specifics of... Sad and grim situations as your job,
1: yes, pretty much um, I think the other day I left crying, and I said, Spoiler alert, I guess i got I have a four year old son, so you
0: also have a four year old on top of all that
1: yes, wow, <laughs> I do, <laughs> so I said, I'm not having any more kids after I left my job just because of the evil and gruesome stuff that people do to children and you know you, you, I didn't imagine things would do such awful things until I I got this job wow so
0: so you but yeah
1: I do have a four year old and and a happy note (laughs) (laughs) he's wonderful
0: you have a four year old son you're going to school full time and you're working a job that makes you cry full time yes Wow are you do yeah. do you do like a lot of <laughs> online courses how do you how do you juggle all that
1: so I go to school three times a week uh, for three classes and then I do uh, two online classes My son's dad and I we were together for years and then we decided to go our own ways and luckily for me he's very involved and my son loves him and he' my son and he has my um, he has our son, three times a week. So Mm -hmm. I go to school those days that he's with his dad. So it works out just fine. We're just navigating through the logistics of it and, you know, just get stuff done and take it one day at a time.
0: You must be exhausted.
1: Yes. Lots, uh, Lots of coffee and espresso shots.
0: Wow. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, but, you know, you just deal with it. You just have to deal with whatever life throws your way.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time to come to some dumb comedy show. It's awful nice.
1: life doesn't get easier, we, we get tougher over the years.
0: Life doesn't get easier, we get tougher. That's a beautiful thing you just said right there. A sad and tragic but truthful and beautiful thing. Well, you gotta hit the pause button when someone drops a bomb like that. Life doesn't get easier, we just get tougher. That's cool. This caller's cool. I'm gonna sit and think about that. Bet you need a moment to think about that, too. Well, guess what? One of the best things you can do while thinking is listen to the ads that are about to come. If these things appeal to you, use those promo codes. We'll be back with more phone call right after this. I've been wearing glasses since I was in third grade, and Warby Parker has come along Made the experience cool again. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Lenses include anti glare and anti scratch coatings. For every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy, risk free. I've done it. They have the home try on program. You order five pairs of glasses, they ship them to your door. You try them on in the comfort of your own home. I put mine on, I'm telling you. My wife checked each pair out. She said, oh, this pair's kind of like the ones you already have, but maybe we should go in a different direction. We went, I wound up getting a whole new pair of glasses, a whole new look, because my wife and I were able to take some time, wear them around the house, see how they fit. Try those frames out for five days. You send them back. You use a free prepaid return shipping label with no obligation to purchase. It's 100% free. So easy that a, a cat could do it. 20-pound cat. Remember that caller with the 20-pound cats? That cat could get these glasses. That's how easy it is. Head to warbyparker.com slash stories to order your free home try-ons today. Choose the five frames you'd like to try on. Mail the frames back. Choose your favorite pair to have your prescription added and order. Warby Parker makes your experience completely risk-free and free shipping all around. Visit warbyparker.com slash stories to begin your free home try-on experience today. Have an iPhone X? Make sure to download Warby Parker's app where you can use their brand new feature, Find Your Fit, Find Your Fit uses the iPhone X's True Depth camera to map and measure key facial features. Using these measurements, Find Your Fit recommends approximately 12 Warby Parker frames that are likely the best fit for your face. The process is seamless and takes only a few seconds. Casper. I sleep on a Casper. I love it. I get good sleep because I sleep on my Casper. Incredible mattress. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. With three mattress models the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential, Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Not to mention, the breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. And it's delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that sized box with free shipping and returns in the US and Canada. But the best part is that you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk free sleep on it trial. After all, you spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. And I'm telling you, my wife says she will not sleep on another brand of mattress ever again besides a Casper. We love it. We love it. It's a member of our household. We don't even say, Do you want to go to bed? We say, Do you want to go lie down in Casper? We refer to it by name. That's how much we enjoy our mattress. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash beautiful and using beautiful at checkout. That's casper.com slash beautiful. Offer code is beautiful for $50 off your mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call.
1: This Life doesn't get easier. We, we get tougher over the years.
0: Life doesn't get easier. We get tougher. That's a beautiful thing you just said right there. A sad and tragic, but truthful and beautiful thing.
1: Life well, thanks. We just learned to deal, you know, we, we just learned to deal and that's all we can do. Cause you only have one life, but you can change how you approach, you know, life and the circumstances you're in. You, you're the only person with the power to do that. <laughs> and now we're getting a little depressing here. <laughs>
0: That's what I do. That's okay. Your boyfriend might not like it, but uh, I go dark sometimes. It's nothing to apologize for. Um,
1: Wow, that is. (laughs) I mean, okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't.
0: I don't know that I've talked to too many people with a more full plate than you've got.
1: Oh, I'm sure there are people that could, you know, that have it worse than me, or that have more things they have to deal with. But
0: always. Again,
1: we all, you know, have different lives and. We all deal with it the best way we can. And you know, and, and I think at the end of the day, it's like, I feel like I'm doing something productive, productive with my life, although I have a job that's just a, a meantime job until I, I can get to law school and, and, or, you know, move higher up within the criminal justice system. So. It's just a job I enjoy. I'd rather be doing this than, you know, retail or anything else. Although, let me tell you, I also do photography part time on the weekends.
0: Well, you have a, you have a side, you have a side gig on top of all of that. I
1: do, I do. How I many do. more things are you going to
0: reveal throughout the episode that take up a significant chunk of time that I can't fathom you fitting in?
1: I, I don't know. Uh, well. And, and I also work out. I, I I go to the gym five times a week, <laughs> so uh, I don't have any free time. I just don't sit.
0: I you just never gotta go, 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 go. Never stop moving. So you do <laughs> photography on the side. What was that? What kind of photography are you doing on the side?
1: Um, so I do. Um, so the month I do p- portrait. So family photos, newborn photos, but I prefer to do weddings. Mm -hmm. Because you get a big chunk of money, and it's uh, you know six to eight hour gig, and just get it done. Um, I do. I love working with people, and I love talking to people, and building relationships, and things like that. And my clients love me, and I love them. I I think I've had the same clients, same clientele for the last four or five years. And sometimes you know word of mouth travels and people contact me. Sometimes I have to turn people down and refer them to other photographers because I just don't have time. Um, but ultimately, I wish I could do photography full time and and move by the beach. That's this, my life goal right there. Hopefully I can work for 20 theme. years. And,
0: a recurring thing in your life is get me to the beach. Yes.
1: Oh my gosh. I would be the happiest person just waking up and Walk into the beach, or even you know if I have to take a pot and a car ride to go to the beach, it's just peaceful and you know and and when you look at the beach, it's like it's never ending it's just water and water and water and it's like what's what's out there so I don't know
0: now you said you like doing wedding photography. I will say you know there's there's obviously there's like photojournalists who go into uh to uh you know, war-torn places, I'm not comparing it to those. But as far as the the type of my side job is photography, as far as that level of photography, some might argue that wedding photography is the most stressful type.
1: I I can agree with that a 100%, and you only get one shot at it. You can't just tell your clients, let's redo the wedding if you screw up, <laughs> so there's a lot of pressure. Oh, yeah. But with pressure comes, you know, it's I guess the reward at the end is that you turn in your gallery to your clients and they love it. I think I've only had my first wedding went so bad. I, I was like, I I will never do this again. Like literally I got in my car and was in tears because the bride was a bridezilla and she was very stressed out and we ran out of time and her time her her planning of her time throughout the wedding was very poor. We barely, you know, barely communicated but We got through it and I learned what I needed to do for my next one. And, you know, you just get better and better the more you do it with any craft that you decide to take on. The more you do it, the more you learn and and little tricks here and there. But it's a very stressful job. So you just You, you have so much to capture, so much to be mindful of their time, their reception time. Uh, you know the ceremony time, and then people with cell phones. Oh my God, that's my biggest pet peeve. People, put your cell phones away when yeah. you're seeing a photographer trying to take pictures, and all you can see is a cell phone out. You know, while like, the groom and the the bride are exchanging vows, it's just terrible. Right, right. <laughs> put your cell phones away. That's what they're getting paid. That's what a photographer is getting paid for.
0: Yeah, you don't want all the real pictures having a million cell phones up in them.
1: Exactly.
0: So that means you exactly. So you have this disaster wedding this weekend. Bridezilla, it comes at you. You're in over your head. You sit in your car and you cry. And then at some point you're like, I better get my head back on straight. I need to go take an online course and then wake up in the morning and log all the details of a triple homicide. Pretty much. That's, that's kind of your life. That's, oh, and in between that's my all, life. And in between I'm going to find time to play with my loving and beautiful son.
1: Yes. Yes. You know, I I wake up at 5 a.m. every day and then I do my schoolwork at between 5 and 7.30 in the morning. Then I drop my son off to daycare and then I go to work, do my job, pick him up the days I, you know, I don't have him, go home, do what I gotta do, cook, take care of the the house because I live by myself with him. And um, and then when he goes to bed at eight o'clock I'm literally from eight thirty to eleven thirty or midnight doing schoolwork or working on photography. So
0: when do you work out? Very you work out. Little. You mentioned working out as well.
1: Yes. I am very lucky to have access to a gym at work. So my uh, lunch hour nice. consists on working out.
0: So your lunch hour consists of working out, so when do you eat?
1: Um I eat after I go to the gym, so I take like five minutes to eat a salad or something light that will hold me until I get home and eat dinner.
0: That's a hell of a schedule. I know I'm
1: stressing you out.
0: I mean, I'm a workaholic. I'm, I'm a workaholic, and you're making me a little stressed. It's true, but it's.
1: <laughs> I know I'm stressing you out.
0: <laughs> but I tell you what is underlining to me. I'm telling you what is underlining. To be, if you wanna. Have a career and a life beyond that. They don't make it easy. It's not an easy thing to do. And you have a boyfriend. Do you can I mean, but and you you and you have a partner in raising your son, but it's still being being a mom outside of uh just being a mom in general. It's an exhausting thing. Trying to get a career going is an exhausting thing. And uh, going to school is an exhausting thing. You're doing them all.
1: It's it exhausting, but it's you really know, you gotta do what you gotta do. And I think most of the things I do, I do it for my son at this point, because when you have a kid, your priorities, priorities they switch and, and you find ways to rearrange them in a way that, you know, you fulfill what you need to do as a mom. And I would say that's my most important job is being a mom and being able to provide for my son. Wow! So, in a way, you know, I just see yeah, everything I'm doing right now and all of these sacrifices are going to pay off in the end because, you know, my son will look back, well, he would look back and say, oh, my mom worked, my mom went to school and raised me and hopefully he turns out to be a good kid. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One would hope. Imagine um, if it's, he doesn't, if, it's if you have, you're going to have a very very short fuse for 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 <laughs> like teenage shit talk, right? And he's like, "Mom, oh, um, you never make time for this." You're going to be like, "You little son of a like right? Like I don't make time. All I did was invent time. My whole life I invented time." Oh, right. And that was after I uh after I fled a regime. That was after I fled a yep. regime, by the way. I built this whole life for you.
1: Exactly that's pretty much what's going to be like, like right now he gives me an attitude, you know, he's four years old. So he's like trying to test boundaries and pushing and seeing how much he can get away with. And I just look at him. and I'm like, son, remember I made you, I am your mother and you're not going to do whatever you want until you're 18 and out of the house. When you're 18 and you have your own job and you can support yourself, you tell, you tell me what you're going to do with your life. But zip it and keep on going. (laughs) And he looks at me, okay, mom.
0: Now, I want to get to say, is there any way you could give me... Do you need to be in a location where you're a little subdued and quiet? Or is there any way I could get a taste of what it means when the Cuban comes out? There's a phrase you've used a couple of times. We're now getting into this idea again. Is there any way I could get a sample?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, it's going to be pretty loud, so... Okay. You know, it's, it doesn't just come out. I have to be in
0: a what if I situation what if, where I have. To. What if we do some role play? What if we? What if I? Let's say, and I, I'm not. I make no presumptions. I know this is a weird sentence. I was say. Let's pretend. Okay, I'm your son. Let's say I'm in high school, right? Let's say I'm in high school. And I, is that okay if I portray a scenario to, in an effort to get the Cuban to come out, as you've put it? Are you comfortable? Let's with do this?
1: it. I mean, I'm. I'm pretty sure my coworkers are going to be like, what the heck is going on in there? But that's okay.
0: Okay. It. <laughs> well, I don't want to get you in trouble. Let's see what we can do. Okay. So I'm your kid. Let's say let's say it's high school and I come home and it's after curfew. It's after curfew. I went out with my friends and it's after curfew and you stayed up. You stayed up all night. you had to go to bed for work because you got two jobs. And I come in, let's say it's like one in the morning and I didn't even call or text. What do you
1: say? Okay. Well um I'm gonna call you by your first name. Hey Chris. Um you see what time it is?
0: Yeah, sorry I lost yeah, track okay. of time. Lost track well, of time. Well no,
1: that's too bad. You you know, you live under my roof and you need to listen to what I have to say. What, who do you think you are?
0: I'm just trying to have You're fun with my 17. friends. I went out with my friends.
1: Hey, zip it, I don't wanna hear it. You don't talk back to me. You live under my roof and I don't wanna hear it. And if you want me to get louder, I can get louder, too.
0: I don't need you to get louder. I just was out with my friends. What am I going to do? Am I going to just be like we were driving around? What am I going to do? Hey, guys, you got to drop me off. I'm going to look like such a loser.
1: You're 17. You're a loser because you live at home with your mom. Once you're 18 and you vote out, you can do whatever you want. But for now, remember that I'm working my ass off to provide for you. So you can sit down and you can go back to bed. And you know what? Matter of fact, I don't want you out of the house past 8 o'clock. Eight, so o'clock, curfew. eight o'clock. Are you out of your mind? Eight o'clock. You called this upon yourself. Hey, I don't want to hear it. Stop. Stop. Eight stop o'clock? That's like There's barely when no dinner's here. done. We're done with this. I can't We're believe you looked me this. in
0: the eye and called me, your son, a loser. You just called me a loser <laughs> to my face.
1: <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> I probably would never say that to my son. No, no, no. no. of course not. Uh,
0: You're just playing along with the gag, and I thank you for doing it. I do start to get a sense of it. I will say, even in you doing just a little dry run of that where I could tell you were holding back, I was like, yeah, I would not want to mess with this. I would not want to mess with this lady. I don't want you on my... I don't want I don't want you mad at me. That's a thing I've just
1: learned. I think everyone agrees with that, everyone that knows me. You know, because I'm like the, the nicest... Person ever, but then there's a a switch that flips and it's like, oh crap, we, you know, I, yeah, don't want to get on your bad side.
0: (laughs) Big time.
1: I don't know. It's just, uh, growing up with Cuban parents is really, really tough because you can be 35, you can be 40, but you're still expected to listen to them and, and, uh, and do what they say. And they'll come to your house and they'll go through your house and see if your house is clean. Um, if you've done dishes, if um, if the house is you know, if laundry has been done, and and they'll call you right out, What are you doing with your life? It's uh, it's tough, and they're calling you when you're out and about, and what are you doing? Who are you with? Um, excuse me, I am uh 25 and I've been working my butt up, and I've been living on my own since I was 18. You don't get to tell me what to do. <laughs> wow. Some life. You're, <laughs> you're quiet. You went quiet. No, wait, what do you do? Because
0: here's my thing. I'm thinking, what do you do to relax? When you're not working out five times a week, raising an infant son, getting a second degree, and working a very intense job, and then also a very intense side job, what do you, what do, you do for? I need, well, to, I need to make sure you do some things to have fun.
1: So, I uh, have you heard of paddle boarding? That's like a, a sup, <laughs> surf board.
0: Did not expect you to say that. Did not expect to say that. Have you ever heard of paddle? I went paddle boarding once on my honeymoon.
1: How was it? Do you like it?
0: Didn't end great for me. I, I mean, What do
1: you mean? You-
0: well, look, you were just in the front row at one of my shows. I don't think you'd describe me as a particularly physically coordinated person. I don't, think, I don't think anybody looks no. at me and goes, that guy seems like his balance is really top-notch.
1: <laughs> did you fall in the water?
0: I did. I managed Did you to... bring
1: your wife with you, too?
0: <laughs> I did. We, we were staying at a very beautiful place on our honeymoon, and <laughs> on the grounds, there was a lake with a paddle and a waterfall. It was picturesque. And my wife said, let's do the paddleboarding. And I managed to stand up. I actually managed to stand up on it at one point. I fell a few times and then I managed to stand up. And then when I did tried to do the actual paddle the paddling, I, I pretty quickly fell. My wife, who spent a lifetime being a dancer and an aerialist whose whole life has been built around like physical acumen and balance, she just got up on the thing and it looked like she'd been doing it for ten years. And I'm sitting there trying not to drown on my honeymoon. She just watches me fall <laughs> off a paddle. This, my, my, she's, she's watching me fall off a paddleboard, praying I don't drown. And then she gets up there and she can like, do a standing backflip and land perfectly back on the paddleboard. So, yeah, hey, I've at been paddling. You know
1: she's going to have your back.
0: She is. She'll have to so save you. So, if you me.
1: ever like are in trouble, she'll pull you out of trouble and, and she'll have your back. She'll oh. carry you. She will. Pull you out of a hole if you fall into a hole or something like and that. More I mean, you ways know you have you a know. strong woman by your side. Uh,
0: strong woman is the best thing a guy like me could have. I need as a weak man, I'm very lucky to have a strong woman in my life. So paddleboarding, paddleboarding <laughs> oh, is your on, hobby. Chris. So you do have a hobby, but it's the thing I when I ask you what's your hobby, you you name a thing that's only doable maybe eight weeks out of the year in Minnesota. I
1: know. Yes. And even like it's August right now and it's like 60 something degrees outside. I was pretty, pretty um, upset this morning. I'm like, it's August. Winter's coming. What the what the hell? Like give me some like 85 degree weather, 90 degree weather. You know, this Cuban can only handle like, the, you know, the winter time so for so long. Like I, I just can't do it. So I was really sad that paddle warden, you know, season's almost over. How
0: often do you get paddle, how did you get real into paddle boarding?
1: I don't know. Okay, so, okay, so I, I started dating this guy and.
0: Is this the boyfriend with no well. sense of humor or a different guy?
1: No, same, same guy. We've been on and off for the last two years. Hmm, mm-hmm. Recently we've been together for the last, for the last year. No problem. Oh, that's good. No um, problem but, except for the fact that yeah. he needs
0: to have a better appreciation for jokes.
1: Uh, Yes, exactly. Thank you. And from my favorite comedian. So. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you so he
1: much. He needs to get it together. I told him that. Yeah.
0: Please don't get in an <laughs> actual fight with your boyfriend over my dumb jokes. Please do not. Personal favorites. Me. Anyway. No. Okay.
1: No, Chris. So anyway, so we went through a a, a little break, breakup. And I was like, I need to go out there and challenge myself and be strong and What's the best way to do it? And I'm like, oh, paddle boarding. Never done it. Don't know how to swim, by the way. What? You didn't see this one coming.
0: I of love course. the beach.
1: I'm from an island, and I don't know how to swim.
0: <laughs> I do have to say, just based on the 40 minutes that I've been getting to know you, it makes total sense to me that I go, you know, so you live this life full of high, uh, a high pressure life full of all sorts of responsibilities. What do you do for fun? Oh, an aquatic activity, even though I can't swim. That is very on brand for you based on what I've learned so far. Continue.
1: That's my life in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> I'm learning.
1: Yeah, so I go get on the paddleboard. At first, I didn't know how to paddle, so I just get circling. And, of course, I have a life jacket on. I didn't fall, which was good. And then 10 minutes into it, I got the, I get the hang of it. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. So um, I rented one from a lake here in Minnesota, and then I was like, the next day, I went to Costco. I saw they had some paddle boards. I bought one, and I've been using paddle boards in my paddle board since, like, for a year now. And I just, I go, like, three, four miles round trip paddle around the lakes.
0: And do you know how to swim so.
1: yet? With a life jacket, yeah, I do. <laughs>
0: So I say, what do you do to relax? And your answer is effectively, I put my life on the line.
1: Pretty much. I go in the middle of the lake, hoping that I don't I don't die. Um and I just paddle around. I paddle my way around the lake. <laughs> and you know, like a sane person would stay within within reach of land, so if you fall in the water, you can you don't get tired or you can just swim to land. No, I go in the middle of the lake. Like, I literally go in the middle of the lake where there's no, like, no land within, I don't know, half a mile or something like
0: that. Where do you think That's this comes me? from? Yeah, when you say this is me, where where do you think it's born? Because you are someone, you seem to be relentless in your pursuits. You're pretty, like, you go for it. And you go all in, it sounds like. Where does that come from?
1: I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm just not afraid of life.
0: not afraid of life. Of course I got to stop and ask about that. I'm scared of life all the time. Can't wait for the answer. Before we get to it though, we got ads. Check them out. Use the promo codes if you're so inclined. We'll be back after this with more phone call. There are job sites that send you tons of the wrong resumes to sort through or make you wait for the right candidates to apply to your job. That's not smart, but you know what is smart? Going to ziprecruiter.com/slash beautiful to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes. No more waiting for the right candidates to apply. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. Its rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash beautiful. That's ziprecruiter.com slash beautiful. ziprecruiter.com slash beautiful. It's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call.
1: I'm just not afraid of life. Um, I think that the other important detail I forgot to mention was that I left Cuba, Cuba without my mom. I left Cuba with my dad at 15 and left my mom behind. Wow. And I pretty much had to take care of myself and raise myself while my dad was working and And I think me having to take over, you know, raising myself at 15 and doing well in school and without all of this without knowing English, by the way, I learned I learned English here in Minnesota. I did not speak any English before moving to the U.S. Um, I I just I, I, you know, I just think it comes from moving away from home. You just take risks and you. You hope for the best, and if the worst comes, then you deal with it when it comes.
0: Wow, I guess that is. But true.
1: If, if I ever fall in the water, then I'll deal with it once <laughs> I fall in the water. I haven't fallen in the water yet,
0: <laughs> so you will deal. That is, I mean, you, that is that is a real. That's a knockout punch of a quote you just threw there, huh? I'll deal with the fact that I can't swim once I fall in the water.
1: I'm gonna do? Am I, you know, if I, if I think about the fact that I can't swim, I would never go paddleboarding. I would never go into the lake. Yes,
0: yes, I, I, that's how human instincts work. <laughs> oh, I can't swim. Maybe I shouldn't make my one hobby a thing where I go to the center of a lake away from the watchful eyes of the lifeguards.
1: Wait. So are you telling me that? What are you trying to say, Chris?
0: Well, I'm saying it's very commendable and very impressive. But for you to, but that is where the logic starts to go askew. I might say that when you go, you know, if I worried about the fact that I can't swim, I wouldn't go in water. Yeah, yeah. I guess my response would be, yeah.
1: <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do things even though you're afraid of them. That's just how I live.
0: People, keep and I know it's not the best
1: philosophy because I'm a mom. I yeah. am a mother, and I'm supposed to be. You know, leading by example and tell my kid, don't be reckless. Do the things that you're supposed to do to stay alive. But I just, I don't know. I, I also don't want to raise a kid who is sheltered.
0: No, for so. sure. And it's funny because I guess in that, in that micro view, yeah, sure. But I would have to imagine that anyone listening, based on the stuff they've heard today, would immediately go well if 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 there's someone who should be setting an example from a son, it certainly sounds like you are that person. It sounds like the, the example you're setting is one of, uh, of
1: of. I hope so. I yeah. I hope that he, you know, he looks back and my mom was a badass, and she, sorry, Sally. Oh, that's <laughs> and she, she very adorable. She did what he needed to do, and you know, he's. I, I, everything I do it's for him at this point. Since I found out that I, that I was expecting, I just everything that I set myself to do was for him.
0: Yeah, did so, your did your mom ever come to join you guys in the states?
1: Yes, uh, oh, I petitioned for a visa for her back in 2014 after my son was born, and I got her here in 2016. She's here. Wow. She so, doesn't live with me, but she's here.
0: So of a solid six or seven years there, where you guys were part. Yeah. And that was that. Is that what they call yeah. chain migration? Is that the thing that they talk about in the news?
1: Um, I I don't watch the news, so you have to you have to <laughs> explain that to me. So I'm I guess chain migration they they mean one relative comes and then the other people follow.
0: I believe that one of the one of the things that the current administration has slammed is the idea of chain migration. And if I understand it, it means a system by which people uh, show up and then bring their loved ones with them after the fact. And and people are saying that's a big problem. And Some people might say this, but then I hear your story and I go, people's families being together doesn't strike me as a problem. But that's just me.
1: No, not at all. And you know and i my my country and cubans i guess we're lucky that we can go through um the proper channels to obtain a visa to live in the us um the thing is like the law if you are i think if you are the ch- the child the spouse the sibling um of a us citizen you can petition or or you you know a person who's a US citizen can petition for you to move to the states based on their citizenship status. So I hope the administration doesn't take that away because that wouldn't it wouldn't even be they wouldn't be targeting people from South America only. They would be targeting people who are married to a Canadian person or someone from Europe or someone from from Africa, from Asia. So they would be dividing a lot of families. Not only what the current administration is doing, you know, with um, Hispanics or, or people that are migrating from from the south, but they they will be doing a lot of separation and, and damaging people from all over the world that just, are trying to get to their loved ones here in the U.S.
0: I just hear a story like yours, and I'm like, I don't get uh, I don't get what good it does anyone to keep families separate from each other. But again. I don't like going political on the show. That That's just me. It just seems like families together, thumbs up. Families apart, thumbs down. I, tr- I don't think there's too much more to think about it beyond that.
1: I just, I don't think until, I don't think people understand what that's like until they go through it themselves. I can tell you. At 15, yeah, that was a show, uh, that was a choice that my parents made to, and I made, I can tell you, Chris, I looked at my mom and I said, if I don't get the chance to go to the U.S. now that I'm younger so I can learn the language, I can get a career, I can can have a a good job, and I can build a life for myself, I will go to the U.S. eventually, even if it's just jumping on a raft and risking my life because this is not the place where I want to be. I do not want to be silenced. I do not want to live in fear of what I have to say. Who can I say it to? And my mom was, you know, that shocked my mom that I was fifteen and I was saying that I was like, if you don't let me go now at fifteen, in three years I could jump on a raft and pray to God that I make it to the US. Wow. That's powerful. So that was uh that was a tough decision for my mom to just let me go. But, you know, sometimes you have to do what you have to do.
0: Yeah, and then you come here, you go someplace cold, you get a degree, you get a second degree, you work a job in the infrastructure of the United States justice system, and you do a lot of paddleboarding. You do a lot of paddleboarding, which I must say, you just described the imagery of jumping on a raft, and I did have a moment of panic where I went, wait, no, you can't even swim. I did have that moment. I'm not trying to be insensitive and I hope it's not. But I did have that instinct of oh no, it's wait. Not. <laughs> I did have that moment of, wait, you can't swim. Wow. It's a really uh, beautiful story. Yep,
1: I can not swim but I'm still gonna try to risk my life to to build a life for myself. Yeah. That's just what I what I came to. Uh, I was lucky that I was able to obtain a visa and I guess my family was lucky and my dad and my my half brother. We were lucky, but um, prior to us, everyone that came from Cuba, from my family in the 1990s, they all came in, in a raft. It was about 15, 20 of them. They were out in the they were out in the sea for about 10 days, and I'm talking about a raft built from scrap wood and tractor tires. And uh, they were out there for 10 days without food and At some point, they were picked up by a Navy, a U.S. Navy ship, and they were brought to Guantanamo Bay, the U.S. base there. And after, I think it was about three, four months of being there, the U.S. said, well, we're going to send you to the U.S. as uh, as refugees instead of sending you back to Cuba because that means you're going to go to prison. So they were lucky that, you know, the U.S. gave him the opportunity to um, come to the U.S. and start a new life.
0: And you said those were actual and, and relatives of yours?
1: Yes. Um, two of my dad's brothers, three of his uncles with his wives, or, or their wives, and uh, a couple of my cousins. I was, I was, I think I was one year. Yeah, I had just turned one year. And, uh, My dad decided to stay because, you know, actually my dad went with them. So how it worked was Fidel opened the the waters and said, "This is your last chance to go to the U.S." People were doing it illegally anyways. They were jumping on rafts um, and getting, you know, going in the ocean away from the coast uh, from the um, the Coast Guard so they wouldn't get caught. So Fidel knew that people were trying to sneak out. So in 1994, he said, I'm going to open the waters for the last time and no one would be um, prosecuted unless you're, you know, unless you're sent back to Cuba from the U.S. So uh, apparently all of my family members, including my dad and his brothers and his uncles, they all got in a in a truck to go to a beach about three hours away from where we lived. And my dad was about to go with them. And then he said, I can't do it. And everyone was like, you need to do it. You came all the way here. And he's like, I can't do it because I have my, you know, I have my daughter who was just born a year ago. I can't do it. So he didn't do it, but the rest of the family did. And, uh, And as a result, my dad had to wait about 18 years to make it to the U.S. So we were we were lucky that we just had it easy. We jumped on a plane and then we came here. The rest of my family wasn't, you know, they were out there for ten days thinking they were gonna die. So, wow,
0: wow.
1: Oh, you went quiet again, Chris. You there?
0: Well, yeah, because I'm I'm taking that all in. That's a. Uh...
1: Very heavy it's story. It's a lot, but you know, but we, it's went real through, life. We, we all went through it. We all have uh, I, great lives in the U.S., way better lives than we had in Cuba. So I think we're we're all grateful for the journey and we're all grateful that we're here and that we were given a second opportunity to have a better life.
0: Yeah. And now you don't remember much of your life in Cuba, you've said. um. Your photographer, do you take tons of pictures of your son? Are, is your son going to have like tons of photographs? Is that part of the photography thing? Oh my
1: gosh. Yes, I have. So on my cell phone itself, my camera roll has seven, 17,000 pictures in the <laughs> last five years. I can tell you. You've, yes. <laughs> wait
0: a second. 17,000 pictures in five years? Yes. That's over. Okay, wait. 17,000. That's over. Do the math over 3000 pictures a year so that's what it's like over over 10 t- pictures a day say you have seven can we do the math i'm horrible at math everyone's just listening to me struggle with math so bad. 17000 pictures so you're just taking dozens of pictures every day and yes. they're, and they're all of your son
1: Uh, Some of my sons, some of my outings out of the, you know, on the lake or when I've traveled out of state or family vacations. And that's just my phone. I have like um, USB drives, flash drives at home with, you know, pictures that I've taken with my camera when we've gone on vacation or with gone you know, to the lake or things like that. I do love taking pictures.
0: <laughs> so we're saying, we just did the math. It looks like you have about 9.3 pictures a day on your phone for the last five years. That's incredible. Should I be
1: proud about that? Or does, or does, does that say that I use my phone way too much?
0: <laughs> you, might, you might be a little addicted to your phone, but you also might be somebody who has uh, let the past go and is trying to really make sure you hang you know, have good memories of everything moving forward. So that's not something to criticize. But yeah, it seems like maybe your phone isn't your hand and off a lot of the time. But yeah, who cares?
1: (laughs) Oh, you know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to doing, um, I'm looking forward to bringing my son back to Cuba one of these days when he's older and he can't remember. I think it's going to be a humbling experience for him to see where his his mom grew up. And let me tell you, my house was knocked down by Hurricane or by three different hurricanes in my lifetime in Cuba, so we had to rebuild my house three times. Wow! Because of the hurricanes in the island.
0: Have you uh, Have you been back to Cuba many times since you left?
1: Um, I've only been there once, and that was back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was because my mom was still there, and I wanted to see my. My mom's side of the family that was left there, but I said that I would never go back there unless I have children so they can see where I grew up.
0: When do you plan on bringing him?
1: Um, Probably when he's a little older, maybe 10, 11, so he can have a recollection of the place, you know. I doubt that my house will be there by that time if we get hit with another hurricane. The house will probably be destroyed again, and, you know, my mom is no longer there to rebuild it, so... It'll probably be just ruins on the ground, but but at least he can see where I grew up.
0: Yeah, and you'll always have, then when you get in those fights with him in the teenage years, you'll always be able to point to that. You see? Yep. <laughs> oh. Yep. Oh.
1: I came, oh. What's that? Yeah, I'll w- I be like, I came all the way across from Cuba to the U.S., to do this for you, I dedicated my time to racing you and getting a career and working full-time on a job that made me cry, according to Chris Gethard. And, <laughs> and here you are, being a little shit.
0: I did not get two degrees and work two jobs, work out five times a week, and do a strenuous amount of paddleboarding. Also, you could talk shit. I did that so you didn't have to grow up in a house that would be swept into the sea by the goddamn elements. You could. Be, you be I be for what you have. I could have raise, raised you in a house that the wind knocked down every 18 goddamn months. But instead, I did everything it took to bring you here, to get you here. Do you know how, much, how many wedding photographs I had to take from stressed-out brides and husbands who also yelled because they felt like they needed to yell in solidarity with the angry brides, even though they weren't as worked up about it necessarily at the time? Do you know how many fucked up awful trials I had to hear about. Also you and I did it all so you could live in a house that had a sturdy foundation that wouldn't get fucked up by hurricanes all the time. Do you know how many times I strapped on a wetsuit in the beginning of September when in Minnesota it's starting to get much colder than you want so I could paddle out to the middle of a lake and back and granted that one has much less to do with the things I did for you and a little bit more for my own physical and mental health and hobby. That being said... Don't you ever take me for granted again, you little shit. That's the Cuban coming out, huh?
1: Yep. You know that. Well, I could go on a five-minute rant about why he shouldn't be behaving that way, or I could just grab my sandal and just throw it across the room to him, and he would get it.
0: You throw a a sandal across the room. Just bounce a sandal off the wall. You're not trying to throw a sandal at anybody, but you bounce a a sandal off a wall that might send a message or two.
1: Pretty much. Like every time, you know, I think I've done it once where he was just like running and jumping and running and jumping and I was late for work and and I said you know, I said his name and then he was like he said nana na doo doo or something like that. He's like, You're a doo doo head I'm like, What? I just grabbed my my sandal that I was wearing to work that day and I threw it across the wall next to him and he just looked at me and he's like, Okay, mom, let me put my slippers on, or we're going
0: a doo-doo head. That's what so, set you off being called a doo-doo head.
1: Yeah, a doo-doo head or something like that. They learn new words in daycare every day. And and he thinks it's funny. He was just trying to get a reaction. But, you know, he got a sandal oh, he, next to him that oh, really made him he got jump. a
0: reaction. He got a reaction. Now we have about 10 seconds left. He did. I want to thank you for calling. Your last message to the listeners.
1: You know, just keep on pushing. When things get hard, everything will shine through and you will... You will prevail and and your dreams will come through as long as you keep working. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate everything you do. I appreciate your comedy. I appreciate you. And I promise you, my boyfriend will get into it. It was a pleasure.
0: Caller, thank you so much. Thanks for letting me uh, mess around during the call. Thanks for telling me all the serious parts and all the fun parts and telling me about everything and being so motivating and cool. Along the way, and I hope I didn't say anything um, that would get you mad enough to throw a sandal at my head. Thank you for calling. Thank you everybody for listening. Thanks to Harry Nelson in the booth by himself today. Oh, they got Harry doing all the heavy lifting. John Delore came in here, helped, and then left. Now Harry's doing everything. I'm Jared O'Connell lounging somewhere it's on vacation lounging somewhere thank you to Justin Linville for all your help with my life in general thank you to Shellshag for the music going on the road all the time chrisgeth.com is the website with all the road shows if you want to help the podcast out here's what you do you go to Apple Podcasts you rate, review, subscribe it really does help so much that's all the business we'll see you next time Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, we're talking sex, straight up.
1: So we were making our and I was performing oral on him, and then afterwards, we were kind of like, so now what? And I was like, do you want to have sex? And he goes, yeah. Um, you know, and he like asked about my, my period flow, and I was like, it's really light, it's normally light. And he's like, okay, let's do it. And so we did and like it was the first time and I was like this is kind of cool with him the first time that he meets me to have period text me, I'm really cool um, <laughs> and then he left at like 5 in the morning because he just stayed up really late talking and then you know had glorious sex for a while
0: that's next time on Beautiful Anonymous